0: This is Teach, Play, Love. The Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages 0 to 8. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood expert, Education Vice President, Rachel Robertson. And make the most out of every chance to teach, play, and love. We just thought it was really important to dedicate an episode to talking to and supporting children through difficult and stressful life events, no matter what they are. Yes, we are in the midst of one right now with the COVID-19 outbreak, but the tips we can share can be applied to many life scenarios. It gets really
1: hard to know where to turn for good information these days. And I think a lot of people will be
0: grateful for some trusted advice. I think that's the biggest challenge for most adults is really intensive information overload. Yeah, it's really hard to avoid.
1: And it's frankly hard not to join in. I'm being really careful about where I get my information on COVID-19, just as I would with any stressful kind of situation. But I got to tell you, Rachel, I went to Target and the entire toilet paper aisle was wiped clean. And I do intend that pun.
0: And it made me a little anxious. Should I start stocking up? Yeah, that's a great example. Whenever there is a community tragedy, people's behavior changes quickly and and it's very stress-based and fear-based. So, it's a good reminder that the stress that we're feeling is often internal. It's based on adult understandings and experiences and what we think might happen, and children don't have all of that. They're not thinking like that. They don't understand all of the possibilities. So, When children are feeling stress, it's often because we're passing it on to them. That is a
1: really valid point to keep in mind, Rachel. So to ensure we're not adding to the information overload, we're gonna really stick to our sweet spot today. What young children need in these moments, a stressful kind of moment. Many people know Bright Horizons as an early care and education organization, but really might not know our history about helping children in need. There was an incredible man at Bright Horizons, Jim Greenman, one of our previous senior vice presidents of education and development. And Jim Greenman laid important groundwork for the way we really help kids in need. Jim wrote a lot of books in his career, including one called What Happened to My World, which was really focused on how to talk with children when they're dealing with crisis and stress and trauma. And Jim was also a really instrumental part of our Bright Horizons Foundation for Children that provides really thoughtfully prepared play spaces for homeless kids and those facing all kinds of trauma.
0: The work that you mentioned with the foundation and from Jim really influenced the understanding of the entire field in early childhood, but also at Bright Horizons of how we think about children's needs in challenging times, whether it be a natural disaster, personal loss, violence, or some other community crisis like an illness pandemic.
1: Okay, so Rachel, where would you start? What's the first advice you'd give to parents in times of stress?
0: Well, I guess the first thing I would do is encourage parents to take a bit of time to think about how they want to be with their children in these kinds of moments. Again, whether they're dealing with a current issue or we've had recent natural disasters or lots of, unfortunately, community violence in the past couple of years, Just to really practice and prepare. I mean, we do this for things like job interviews or studying for a test. We rehearse speeches. So it makes sense that we would do the same. Just take some time to plan and prepare for how we want to show up for our children in these moments. Not just give them the self that we have left over at the end of the day when we've dealt with everything else or the part of ourselves that's really stressed out. But really think about how we want to present ourselves These kind of events really test us as citizens and human beings. We're all sharing this planet together. And we have to think differently than just individually. We have to think about the community. And then as parents, we have to think about, you know, we're their guardians that have to keep them Physically safe, but also emotionally safe. And these are important opportunities to both teach and model at the same time as you're comforting and and reassuring them. They learn, children learn about their place in the world from what we say and what we don't say and from our actions. That's a really powerful thing to think about, Rachel. And we're, as grandparents
1: and parents, we're role modeling all the time. There is no opt out for this task.
0: Right, right. Whether we want to do it or not, supporting children's emotional health goes with the parenting gig. It's just part of the job. And for young children in times of unease, one of the best things we can do for them is give them our calm. And we don't need to add to the chaos. If they might be feeling stressed, they might start to have questions that they don't understand. And it's a real gift we can do as adults is share the strength of our calm presence and simple reassurances that help make the world feel safe and manageable. Adults really do determine the emotional climate for young children, and our reactions to difficult events are going to impact children's reactions.
1: Yeah, the point you're making about demonstrating emotional strength is really key, and it's not always easy in times of uncertainty, but kids really rely on us for that. Tell me more about kind of setting that emotional climate, Rachel.
0: Sure. The most important is they need consistency. They need it all the time, but more than ever in times of stress or unease, they need consistency. They need consistency from you, from the adults in their lives, both emotionally and physically. So as much as you can, you know, if you have dinner together every night, still have dinner together every night. If bedtime is at 10 o'clock or eight o'clock, whatever it is, Still have that same bedtime and keep those routines. If you play with them at a certain time of the day, you do games every morning before you leave the house, keep those things going, even though you might not be feeling up to it, but they need that. I mean, little children cannot look at a clock. They don't know what's coming next. They're not in charge of the routine or their day. They are gauging that all off on the routine you set for them. And that gives them a lot of safety and reassurance. Because no matter what's happening out in the world, you know, it is still distant from them. As long as their world is safe and predictable and the people they love and care about are safe and predictable, they usually feel pretty good and it can help them through any bits of stress they are feeling. And they're paying attention to you all the time. They're paying attention to adults. So they're paying attention to our reactions and our fears. They notice our anxiety, whether it's verbal or nonverbal, so we also need to model taking care of ourselves, trying to get enough sleep, exercising, connecting with others socially, eating a good diet. I mean, that's one of the things that I have a hard time with when a stressful, busy situation is happening. I start eating a lot of takeout. So I, you know, I have to think about that and what I'm doing with my children and how I'm supporting them. And is that really good modeling? Really, if we are calm and reassuring or if we explain why we're off routine then children will feel a lot safer. So that's the most important thing adults can do for a child.
1: Yeah, that calm and reassuring attitude is is really key. But one of the things that I find elevates worry and stress for adults is the constant information we talked about earlier. People watch or listen to the news so much and so much more even in times of stress. Yet, in general, we talk about limiting young children's exposure to screens how do we manage that as parents in these situations?
0: Yeah, that that's a really good point. You're picking up on something that does really happen in times of stress is the like the news sometimes is on 24 hours a day in the home and then in the car on the radio and people start to lose the adults start to lose track of it. Adults can parse out when the story Is about the same thing over and over again. It still adds cumulatively to our stress. Just if you hear the same story over and over, it starts to build up in your mind. But at least we know, oh, this is, I already heard about this. This is the 10th time the news has covered this one story. Children don't always know that. So sometimes they're hearing the news and thinking this story is different and it's happening over and over again. So that's one challenge for having a lot of exposure to news. And news is not like PG-13, kind of. You could think about it like that. It's not really meant for five-year-olds to be listening to. They don't censor themselves. They will talk about violent situations that children aren't able to understand. And they'll make up their own understandings. At the same time, it's okay to have the news on, absolutely. My suggestion would always be, and this is true of all technology, is have it be an experience together, have it be interactive, allow them to ask questions, explain things to them, talk it through, maybe make sure that you know who the newscaster is or the type of information they'll share. So you're making sure it's fairly safe for your child to hear. And then you're debriefing it and talking it through again without them just kind of going off and having heard it and and start imagining what it means on their own. Yeah, that's a
1: really useful distinction. It seems that when it's more of an interaction and a conversation,
0: kids actually become more comfortable asking questions. Right. Yeah, that's true. If it's a conversation, the questions just sort of happen. But even if they don't have questions in the moment, things like this help them feel safer asking later. So they may go away, play, think, depends on their age, of course. But they have a basis for the start of the conversation, so they'll know to come back And they're much more likely to come back to you with those questions rather than if they just overheard it and then they're unsure if it's something they can approach you with.
1: All right. So let's talk about those questions that kids ask a little bit. It seems that sometimes in stressful times, it's really hard to know
0: what to say when they ask tough questions. What's your advice, Rachel? So in times of stress, we all get pretty egocentric. That's children's natural developmental state, but we can relate to it a bit. Like the toilet paper example you said from Target, people that are buying a lot of toilet paper right now and stocking up, it's a fairly egocentric behavior. They're thinking about themselves versus the whole community. And that's a natural reaction to stress. Kids are already there. They're already thinking about themselves. So in the moments of stress, what they're worrying about is their world, the world that they understand. And usually it's their family and their community, maybe their school, maybe their friends, depends on their age. But they're not thinking about young children, aren't thinking about, you know, even outside of their city, outside of their state, other parts of the world as much, unless they're hearing about it. Whether they're verbalizing it or not, their questions are really basic. Could this happen to me? Will I be okay? Will you, the person I love and depend on, be okay? Will everybody else I love be okay? Will my life go on? Is anything going to change? Those are kind of the things they're wondering about, whether they say them or not. So just addressing those things with them and being appropriately honest is really important too. So if if for some reason your family is affected, you don't want to say, oh, it's gonna be fine, nothing's going to change. That's not because it is going to change. But you could say, this is what's going to happen, but I will always be with you and I will love you no matter what. I will take care of you. The reassuring part that is valid and that is true to make sure you're saying those things.
1: So Rachel, whether they verbalize them or not, a parent could really go ahead and answer these questions.
0: That's right. And then open it up for more questions. You might have to model, for example, you might have to say, well, one of the things I was wondering is if anyone I know is going to be sick. Or one of the things I asked was, is another storm going to happen? So that might prompt them or model for them some questions. And another tip I always have is ask them what they think. That will give you a really good sense of what they're thinking about. So if they ask a really tricky question, such as, are people going to die? That's a hard question to answer. So you could start with, well, tell me what you think, or tell me why you're asking that question. And they might have a very simple, very basic level understanding And and that question doesn't mean as much as you think it does as an adult. So that will really help you understand exactly what information they're looking for.
1: I absolutely love that advice, advice about asking them what they think. There are times in life when kids just ask strange questions, Rachel. You know, my kids are grown now, but I still remember a question that one of my boys asked me when he was in kindergarten. I was fixing dinner. And he uh, jumped up on the counter next to me and said, mom, how do people get AIDS? It was like a question out of the blue, obviously something he was thinking about.
0: Yeah, that's a really good example. And I, and you're not thinking about how to answer that in the moment. It just catches you off guard. And the best response is what I just said. And you can be ready for that at any time, no matter what they ask is tell me why you're asking that question or what do you think about that question? And then you get the story usually about where they heard about it, what they're thinking, what's going on in their mind. And usually it's, again, a lot simpler than adult thinks because we have 30 plus years of experience and information that is affecting how we think about the question. And in your scenario, he had five years of experience, not so much. So his ability to think broadly about that question was a lot smaller. The other thing I'd say, and maybe this happened with your kids, too, is if they're not verbalizing or asking a lot of questions, the other way that you can find out what they're thinking or how they're feeling is observing their play. So in all scenarios, we want children to be able to express themselves through creative play as much as possible. It is critical in times of trauma, that they have a lot of opportunity to continue to play. Sometimes in stressful times, children are told things like, you need to be quiet, you need to sit, play quietly, you need to go in your room, stop doing that or stop making that noise. And that really limits their ability to process the stress. They need safe places to play and role play and make sense of the world. They're going to act out some tough scenarios. If there's been a community shooting, they're probably gonna act that out. They might act out death. They might act out a lot of people getting sick. And this needs to be okay. This is their way of making sense of what's happening. The best thing adults can do is let that happen, support that kind of play. You can put parameters on it to keep it safe. You know, One of the things that people talk a lot about is kids making guns out of um, like Legos or blocks or something. And you could say, to be safe, we're not going to point that at anyone, but they, they need to kind of role play that if they're seeing it on TV, or they're hearing about violence. And if you as the adult are observing, paying attention to what they're saying and thinking and acting out, you'll get a sense of where they are emotionally, you'll get a real sense of how they're making sense of the things happening to them. And you'll know, you'll have a better idea of what kind of support they need. And and maybe they're just working it out through their play and they're going to be okay. Or maybe you'll get some insights into how you can support them and some questions you can answer.
1: Yeah. And we have some resources about activities you can do at home to encourage that kind of thoughtful playing.
0: Yeah, we absolutely do. We have a whole section of parent resources for Bright Horizons and we've added some recently that are ideas for, really meaningful play at home, whether they be STEM activities or just open-ended play experiences. So we'll make sure that those resources are available to all families.
1: Great. And Rachel, I know temperaments and experiences contribute to children having different responses to stress. What's your real guidance for helping a child who seems to be really struggling?
0: That's a good question, Ruth. Again, children have limited experience and tools available to them. So You know, a lot of adults don't articulate when they're struggling. So it's hard to expect a child to be able to do that. They might, they might tell you, but it also is going to show up in different ways. Maybe their eating habits have changed, they're not sleeping, or they're sleeping a lot. Most difficult behavior stems from something else. They're kind of communicating with us. So behavior might change. The things that we've already talked about are the most important things to do. And often in times of stress, some of them aren't happening. So as a parent, just go through that list again. Things like the consistency and routine and schedule, your consistency and your presence and in your involvement, your emotional regulation, how you're showing up emotionally for your children, how you're supporting them, play experiences, not putting um, adult expectations on children, letting them play, letting them be creative, a lot of art opportunities and not like coloring book kind of art opportunities, but just painting all over a giant piece of paper or freedom of expression kind of opportunities. Not only will these things help children process stress, but they will give you, the adult, some insight into what is going on with your child. So you might see them kind of work through these processes. And by having all these opportunities to get reassurances from you and play and do some art they're going to just be fine with a little bit of support. Or you might see an opportunity like, I think something bigger is going on here. I'll just put a plug in to never, ever hesitate to seek professional support for yourself or for your child. If You might think that they should be able to handle it or get over it or move forward. But if their behavior is telling you that that's not happening, it's really important to just get a little guidance and support to get through that. Another thing I'll always say in these situations is give children a way to feel like they have a little control. That helps a lot for adults, too, is if you feel like you can do something. So if there's a community crisis, there are, is an outpouring of people that want to volunteer because people want to do something. They want to contribute to the solution. And children are no different. So if I was just thinking about the current situation with covid-19 i would say well let's get the children involved in cleaning the household cleaning their toys cleaning the baby dolls cleaning counters whatever is kind of appropriate for them maybe they can you can catch each other in the act in the household whoever washes their hands at the right time or come up with a family song about washing your hands or we have a picture In our parent resources, but also in our our centers, we have step-by-step pictures of hand washing. You can use ours, or you could take pictures of the family washing their hands, and the child could make a chart of that. So things that they feel like they can do something, contribute, volunteer, donate, whatever the scenario is, that always makes people feel it's a healing process as part of the healing process. Thanks, Rachel. I think we all feel more confident and prepared. I'm hopeful that this advice does make people feel more confident and prepared. Just like I said at the beginning, a little practice and preparation for how to show up for your children and support them in times of stress and anxiety can make all of the difference. And most of the time, stress, anxiety, fears can be supported and mitigated through just some of these simple things we talked about today. And not only will they help children feel better, they will help the whole family feel better. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us and find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love and Rediscover Parenting as a Joy It Was Meant to Be.